welcome to worship on this beautiful day, this beautiful Sunday morning. The sun is shining. Tomorrow's going to be a warm day. This is amazing. And I love having each and every one of you here with us, whether you are actually in the sanctuary or if you're worshiping online. What a privilege it is that we all get to gather in such a way and give thanks to our Lord, Savior, Redeemer, and Friend, who gives us all so many blessings and so many reasons to be thankful. So before we head into our worship, I would just like to uh, share a couple announcements with each and every one of you. A huge thanks to those who were able to donate blood yesterday. They had a full slate all day long, and I think they gathered like 37 pints or something like that. So amazing, it's wonderful. So thank you if you were able to donate. Also, we are in the month of the one great hour of sharing, and you may have noticed if you came in at door six in the main parking lot, we have a basket full of fish banks. And if you're willing to take one of these banks home and fill it up with some loose change that you may have and bring it back to us on Palm Sunday, March 28th, um, all that money goes to a variety of things within the Presbyterian Church including the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Program, the Presbyterian Hunger Program, and the Self-Development of People. So it's a really great uh, program in which they collect money. Um, so yeah, if you're willing to do that, bring your change back. We would appreciate it. Also, we, have, we are looking forward on March 27th, it's a Saturday, to a family Easterific celebration. So if you've got small children, kids, grandkids in your life and would like to come by for that day, um, Mrs. Adams is doing some awesome stuff that's going to all take place outside. So we're all going to pray for a really beautiful day. Also, we have this great little program here um, as a subsidiary of the Men's Project. We have some incredibly talented men and women in this congregation who can do all sorts of things. So if you've got any little projects that you need done in your house, um, please contact, I think Ken Stempian is the gentleman in charge, and he will get you hooked up and we'll get you taken care of. Also, one quick final announcement. Um, we have a gentleman by the name of Mark Kautz um, who's been worshiping with us for two and a half years. You may recognize him as the gentleman with the walker that usually sits up front. And he uh, lives right here in the neighborhood. And he often is looking for rides on Sunday morning. And unfortunately, we don't have Rosie up and running just yet. He is fully vaccinated. If any of you would be willing or interested in picking him up on a Sunday morning, please chat with me or Pastor Kelly, because he loves being here, but he can't get himself here uh, just yet on his own. So thank you for that. Thank you for your consideration. So we have a variety of people that we will be praying for throughout this week. There's a list of names in your bulletin of extended family and friends who are definitely in need of prayer and also some church members. I do want to draw your attention real quick that uh, Roy Sequin was admitted to um, Providence Hospital yesterday for AFib and gallstones. They hope to find out more today and they're hoping that he'll be able to come home today. Also, Marilyn Bingham is having back surgery this coming Tuesday, so we're going to keep her in our prayers. And we have the joyous news to celebrate that Lucy Ray Krogmeyer was born on March 6th. So that was yesterday. Wonderful. And she is the daughter of Jake and Megan Krogmeyer. Megan, also better known as Megan Lumley, and the granddaughter of Dave and Janice Lumley. So very excited for all of them. So we are giving God praise for new life today. And as we pray our way through the congregation, our four families this week are the Bogansky, the Hannah, the Opet, and the Weir families. So with that, my friends, let us worship our amazing God.
Good morning. If you would please join me in this morning's call to worship. God, our provider, we walked into church today needing you in different ways. Some of us need strength because we are facing a big challenge. Some of us need hope because we feel like giving up. Some of us need love because we are feeling alone. We trust that you will provide for us, whether through words or music, or in a quiet moment of reflection. You are here. You are here with us. Amen.
Good morning, boys and girls. Hi, everyone. Today, I want to share a special word with you. The word is love. Think about this for a minute. What is something that you love to do? Who is someone that you love spending time with? And how do you share love with other people? Did you know that without God, we would not be able to feel that feeling of love? You see, God is love. Listen to these words from the Bible. I'm going to be sharing them with you from the book of 1 John. And you can find that book in the New Testament, way in the back, almost at the end. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. The Bible says, We love because he first loved us. And again in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Let me show you something. Do you see this paper that I have right here? And there's a big heart, and then you see three smaller hearts. Well, this big heart represents us, and this heart is empty. But when we believe, and when we trust, and when we allow Jesus into our lives, when we pray, when we spend time with Jesus, when we ask for forgiveness, then something special happens. Do you remember the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. We receive that Holy Spirit gift and that begins to fill our hearts. And that is when we begin to feel love. When we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, that he saved us, then our hearts are full. It's full of love. Now, see these smaller hearts? Those are people in our lives, people at school, people, our neighbors, maybe even people at church. These people need to feel the love of Jesus too. And because we believe in Jesus and we follow him, we can share that love with them. Watch what happens. We can share Jesus's love with the people in our lives. And then guess what? When they learn about Jesus and just how wonderful he is, then they can share that love with other people. And then the love of Jesus will get spread around and around and around. More and more people will learn about him because we are able to love and share love with everyone that we know. I hope that you have a great day today and I hope you remember that God's love for you never changes. God loves you so much. Have a great day. This morning's scripture reading comes from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Exactly one year ago today was the last time that we worshiped together in this space before the pandemic changed all of our lives. And in spite of this year that we have had, this community has been incredibly blessed because we have trusted God. We trusted God with our lives. We trusted God with our treasures and with our labors. And because of that, we have continued to bless others in so many ways. And all of it is because each and every one of you has been generous with whatever it is that you have been able to give, time, talent, or treasures. So we welcome you today to prayerfully consider giving back to God a portion of your lives and labors this morning. If you are worshiping with us here in the sanctuary, we do have collection boxes in the narthex for your offerings. If you are worshiping online or even here as well, you can also give electronically. And that information is either in your bulletin or you will see it on your screen. But thank you, my friends, for partnering with God and trusting him every step of the way. So let us now receive this morning's offering. Thank you. 
friends, it is a humble privilege to be able to stand behind this table and technically invite you to the table, but it is really neither myself nor Kelly inviting you all to the table, but Jesus Christ himself, the only one who had the right to invite you to the table, and he invites each and every one of us, and don't let anyone ever tell you differently. So my friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share the feast of what he has prepared. People will come from east and from the west and from north and south to sit right here at this table in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Creator of the cosmos, breath of heaven, Lover of us all, you are our praise, our life, our joy. You are there through desert wandering and willful grumbling, through rebellious running and tears of complaint. You are there when sorrow becomes our daily food. You rescue us from ruin, anoint us with blessing. You are there in the stable and the temple. You are there in the river of baptism and on the hill of crucifixion. You are there on the cross and in the tomb and even beyond the grave. Rising sun, soaring spirit, radiant Lord, you are there in shining glory, overcoming death and welcoming us to life. You meet us in the breaking of bread. You pour out the wine of salvation. You feed us with grace and overwhelm us with love. In your relentless mercy, Lord of life, we ask your blessing and healing upon those among us in special need of your grace this day. Touch with your healing love, Roy and Marilyn, and we give you joy of new life in, in Lucy, and we pray for their parents, for her parents and her family. We also give you thanks this day for our families of the week, for the Bogansky, Hannah, Opet, and Weir families. By your spirit, giver of, get, of good gifts, make these gifts of bread and juice into your body and your blood, reminding us once again of the great mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. By your spirit, make us one with you and with each other. By your spirit, give us strength and courage to share your love with the blessed and broken world. Fountain of mercy, fire of justice, dearest friend, bind us to you and send us out to seek, serve, and sing your praise until you gather us up in glory and bright unending song. Our glory and honor are yours, holy God, through Christ in the Spirit, now and always, as together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And <clears throat> to temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
On the night of his arrest, Jesus sat at a table with his closest friends, the disciples, and he gathered them there into one place, and he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he it, and he said, every time you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after supper, he poured it out, and he blessed it, and he gave thanks to God, and he passed it around, and he said, take, drink, remembering me. Every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. For great indeed is the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, and all has been made ready for each and every one of us. We would ask that you begin to prepare yourself for communion with the cups and the wafers that you have before you. We ask that you would wait to partake until we all do so together. Now eat this bread, remembering Jesus. Friends, take and drink the cup of blessing. Let us pray. O oh Lord our God, we rise from this table knowing a love beyond our deserving. Thank you for giving us a place at your table for serving us the bread of life, for offering to us, even to us, the cup of salvation. In humility and hope, we go now from this place into the day that you have made, going as people you have forgiven and blessed and renewed. We go as the people of Christ to walk in his ways. And everybody said, Amen. We pick up where we left off. Martha said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then Martha went back and called to her sister, Mary, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him earlier. The Jews who were with Mary in the house consoling her saw her get up quickly and go out. 
They followed her because they thought that Mary was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, a stone was, was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you, were, that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Nobody likes to wait. My favorite thing to ask my parents, remember I was that only kid sitting in the middle of the back seat when that was acceptable, was to go, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there now? <laughs> well, little did I know then that one day I would be the recipient of such questions from their grandchildren. Mom, are we there yet? My response was always the same. Five more minutes. Now, it had nothing to do with the actual time. We could be driving six more hours on the road or we could be two minutes from home. But it just seemed to be a better response than no. <laughs> Isn't it true, though, that the older we get, it becomes harder and harder to wait? Perhaps because the wait involves weighty issues. Land that job. Get out of debt. Health. A move. Should I stay or should I go elsewhere? A longing to finally reach that achievement you've been working years for. Or how about the day when you will finally meet your future spouse? Nobody likes to wait, especially not on Jesus. It's the worst. You've prayed for something and you're wondering, Jesus, what is taking so long? Are you listening? Have you forgotten me? Do you not even care? It makes me think of the disciples with Jesus on the boat in the storm. So somehow Jesus is sleeping and the storm is rocking the boat and their response to him is priceless. They just start deciding who's going to wake him up first. And of course, you know, probably Peter goes to him and goes, Lord, and it's not just like wake up. It's more like, don't you care that we're going to perish? <laughs> what a great question to ask Jesus. Do you care about us? <laughs> but how often... Do we let those same thoughts come into our minds? That's why those disciples are so darn relatable. What is Jesus doing while you're faithfully praying? You might ask God to heal you from depression or to save your hurting relationship or to lead you back. And yet the more you pray, the less you see and you wonder, where are you, Jesus? There are times when we all feel like this. 
You've been praying and waiting so long, you're starting to wonder if Jesus hears your prayers. Is he even out there at all? What do you do when you've been waiting? Pastor and author Andy Stanley shares an insight he's gained on this very topic. What I have found, he said, is that while I'm waiting on Jesus, I find that Jesus is working on me. He's doing something in me before he does something for me. Therefore, don't waste the waiting. Maybe Jesus is teaching us that we can depend on him in a way we hadn't before while we're waiting. Maybe he's revealing how present he has always been in our lives. Even when we didn't see it back then, we can look back now and see that he was with us. Now, don't say I didn't warn you about this, but if you pray for patience, you are going to get lots of opportunities to practice your patience. Like Clay at the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah's Potter House, maybe Jesus has you as the clay on the wheel, and he's reworking, maybe even chiseling at times, sanding down the rough patches from your life, maybe the past hurts from long ago, and maybe the hurts that you have given to others that he's long since forgiven you for, but you still pick at them like a scab day by day. Perhaps in your waiting, Jesus is teaching you how to be his disciple. Perhaps whatever he's going to lead you to is not ready yet. Or perhaps you're not quite ready yet. Whatever's happening, don't waste the waiting. Learn to depend on him like never before. Maybe he's drawing you closer to get to know him in a way that you haven't experienced before. When you find yourself waiting for Jesus to show up and answer your prayers, know that he is working behind the scenes all the time in your life. He's not ignoring you. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you and cares about you. And what we know about Jesus is that he is good. Just because Jesus feels silent doesn't mean that he's not with you. What's he doing? What's he doing while we're asking and hoping and waiting and believing and praying while you're waiting? Our good, our powerful, our all-loving, all-knowing God is working in you. And years from now, when you look back, you may see why the wait My son, Matt, has been looking for a job for 16 months and five days a week for 16 months through COVID, he never stopped looking. I kid you not, he decided that looking for a job was his full-time job and seven to eight hours a day for 16 months, weekends off, he kept looking. At Chapel Friday, we would pray for Matt, and Joyce Backus and Judy Culler walked up to me one day and they said, that's enough. We're going to dedicate the next two weeks to praying for Matt, and Matt is going to get interviews, and by the end of that two weeks, he is going to land the job that's been worth the waiting. Within 24 hours of those words, Matt received his first email. Matt had a lot of job interviews in those two weeks. And in the end, he accepted a position that's a once in a lifetime position in marketing at the third largest marketing firm in the world. 16 months, God was working on that to get him ready for that job while people prayed as he journeyed. You know, God sent Jesus into the world to pursue us. You know, that we're the only religion that claims that we have a God that will stop at nothing to pursue us and to love us. And if you're waiting on Jesus, and perhaps Jesus is waiting on you. 
Jesus, the Son of God, still at work in your life, is waiting. And when he does answer your prayer in his timing, I know there's always that catch, his timing, not our timing, it will be in a way that is far better than any possibility you could have imagined. Because in his timing, the possibilities just grow. So I am a big fan of Mary and Martha. And I love that we get to see Jesus with Mary and Martha and Lazarus has his friends. Even Jesus has friends that he goes to hang out with periodically. It says that sometimes he takes three disciples, sometimes it's three other disciples, but he makes his journey to his friend's place more often than not. And it's in a little town called Bethany. And if you look up the meaning in the New Testament of that city, it actually means the poor. So Jesus, even in his free time, even in his personal relationships, traveled to Bethany with his disciples to sit a while and spend some time, good food and fellowship with his dear friends, which is why his actions make no sense whatsoever. So here's what happens. Jesus had been in Bethany and the Judeans that were there actually tried to kill him. So he left with the disciples. He was only about two miles away. He started to preach and to teach. And those disciples, they got word that Lazarus was really sick. So it tells us in our chapter 11 that while Jesus was at this other city, Martha and Mary sent word to him, send a messenger and say, hey, you got to come back because Lazarus is really sick. And they describe Lazarus as the one you love. The messenger comes back and they're waiting for Jesus to come back. I mean, Lazarus is really ill. A day went by, Jesus didn't show up. I can imagine Mary asking the messenger, did you tell him it was me? Yes, we told him. Did you let him know it was urgent? Yes, we did. And another day passed and he didn't come and another and another, and Lazarus died. And on the fourth day, Jesus shows up. What do you do when God shows up too late? You prayed, you believed, but the problem didn't turn around, the business didn't make it, the relationship, the health didn't get better. What do you do? Martha was so upset, she rushed out to meet him. Jesus, if only you would have gotten here sooner, my brother would not have died. She was saying, how could you do this to us? We're your friends. When we needed you the most, you let us down. They thought that Jesus didn't care, that he was too busy, maybe he was preoccupied, but the scripture says, when he found out the news of Lazarus, he wept. Interesting that he could have just bypassed Martha altogether and went straight to the tomb to raise Lazarus. But his tears let them know how much Lazarus meant to him. He wept because he loved Lazarus. He wept because he felt sorrow and the heaviness that they were all feeling. Two days earlier, he was with those disciples and they got word and the messenger said that Lazarus was sleeping. And the disciples find out that Jesus wants to go back right away. And they say, Lord, why do you want to go back? The Judeans are trying to kill you. What are you crazy? We're going to risk our lives. And he's only sleeping. And it says, Jesus said plainly, <laughs> he's dead. We have to go back. And interesting that their response was, no, 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 no. So what did he do? He taught them in the waiting. When Jesus showed up, 
to town. It was Mary who ran to greet him first. Mary comes later and basically says the same thing to him. Martha comes back and goes, Mary, who's in the house with all these guests, Jesus wants to see you. And what's interesting about that is when Mary runs up to Jesus, it says Jesus sees her and bursts into tears. Have you ever thought of Jesus bursting into tears? And he weeps. His heart is broken. Such is the mystery of Jesus. Isn't it true that when you feel Jesus hasn't shown up, that little reel of negative talk that's in your head starts to go. Jesus doesn't really care about you. I mean, how could he let this happen? Why are you experiencing this? He's let you down. Don't believe the lies. Psalm 56, verse 8. God collects all your tears in a bottle. Jesus feels what you feel, the loneliness, the heartache. He weeps when you weep. His heart breaks when your heart breaks. And isn't it interesting that now he's got Mary and Martha. And when Mary was followed out by all those, those Judeans, and Jesus sees Mary coming and all the Judeans who perhaps wanted to kill him just a few days before, he doesn't even acknowledge them. All he sees is Mary and he cries. And those Judeans are there in the background in the crowd. And as is the case, most times Jesus is in the crowd. Half the crowd said, oh my gosh, he must really love Lazarus. While the other half goes, you know, he just, he just did miracles. He made a blind man see. Why couldn't he have saved his friend? And while the crowd is murmuring and Jesus is weeping, Mary and Martha and everyone go to the tomb of Lazarus. And Martha, she starts to warn him, Lord, it's not going to smell very good. Isn't it true, though, that sometimes we have to go through the muck of life <laughs> to get through to the light? You know, you have to be real and deal with what God is bringing to the light in you. And perhaps it's Jesus waiting to call you by name and to raise you from all that you suffer from. Where we might feel dead inside. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And all of a sudden, Lazarus comes back to life. Mary and Martha were praying for healing. But now Jesus does something completely unexpected and far better. He raises Lazarus from the dead. What if we're praying too small? I say let's pray bolder. Let's pray bolder. And to do that, we need more trust in Jesus. And sometimes the reasons Jesus delays is that he's going about doing something bigger, perhaps more rewarding than anything we could have ever prayed for. Like them, you may be wondering, why are you so late, Jesus? When is trouble going to leave me? You're believing for a healing Jesus may delay because resurrection is coming into your life. He has something much better than what you have in mind. Trust him when you don't see anything happening. Believe in the silence. Jesus is working in you and around you. The mistake we make too often is that we get discouraged in the delays. We believe those lies that God is not concerned about us, that he would have been here by now. Doesn't he know what I'm going through? And then scripture tells us Jesus sees every sparrow, every little bird that falls to the ground. And how much more does he see you? You're his child. He made you in his image. He calls you a masterpiece. God, our creator, redeemer, sustainer. 
God sees what you're going through. God's concerned and God's always coming. Don't be fooled by the circumstance. You may not see anything. You may have friends like some of Job's friends who when he was at his worst said, oh my gosh, just give up. Nothing is going to happen. And yet Jesus, who makes death work backwards, says otherwise. Right there he declares, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just an action or an event. It's the person. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. After Lazarus is raised, oh my goodness, now he goes to Mary and Martha again as they're there. We see them go from grief to trust to believing to hope, all in one felt swoop. When Jesus arrives in a Bethany of our own, our lives can be changed. Things that were impossible to us alone now become possible because we're not doing it all by ourselves, And we don't have to wait for Jesus to arrive. He's already here waiting for us to continue following him. He alone can challenge us, encourage us, call us, and perhaps we need to exchange out our if-onlys for if-Jesus. Because if Jesus is the Son of God, he is the resurrection and the light, and we have seen it, and we have known it. When Jesus comes into town, his presence alone changes everything. Mary leads Jesus to that tomb, and he asks words that will be asked of Mary in the garden when it is his turn to come out of the tomb. Where have they laid him, he asks Mary. A parallel story to Jesus' own death and resurrection. A wonderful foreshadowing of resurrection, light, and love, and hope to come. For truly, Jesus is the light that no darkness we ever experienced could ever overcome. How blessed are we. Amen. something new in you. Jesus is rebuilding. Jesus is healing. Jesus is loving. Jesus is creating. All these things are happening to you and in you because of the love of God, the creator, who made you. Of Jesus, the redeemer, your savior and friend who calls you to follow him. And of the gift of the Holy Spirit, that dwells within you. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, three in one, sustaining us all this day. And now as you go out into the world, 
know that God goes with you. May the love that he gave you be the love that you share with others. I pray blessing upon you this day. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.